This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here, welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Just a quick reminder. If you could and you haven't already, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Right now, with 10 games on the schedule for Wednesday, we are going to be looking at some of the key fantasy storylines. Jared Johnson joining me today. Jared, we're going to start things off with a round of are you concerned or are you buying it? The way this works is we will hit a recent trend. I will ask you one of two questions. Are you concerned or are you buying it? You will answer. Pretty simple. Does that make sense? (laughs) I think I got it. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I figured you probably got it. It's not that complicated. (laughs) All right. Game one on our agenda, Hawks and the Hornets. Jeremy Lamb, ever since a seven-point game at the end of October, this guy has been on a a somewhat crazy run, double digits in 12 straight, 17 points, 6.6 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.4 steals, 1.6 threes. Are you buying it? Uh, Yeah, I am. I do think what he's doing is sustainable. He gave us a little glimpse of this last season. He got 20 starts last year, and he was at 15.7 points per game, 1.6 triples, 5.6 boards, 3.3 dimes. Uh, So that's pretty much in the ballpark of what he's doing right now. I think one of the more impressive things that he's doing is the 1.4 steals per game. That's not something he's really done before in his career. His career average is 0.6. I'm not sure how much that's sustainable, but the scoring and three-point shooting, that's definitely something that he can do as long as he's starting. And, you know, the, the Hornets are actually in the playoff race. Uh, basically, every team in the East is in the playoff race this year. So that's except, wide open. Except for, oh yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Carry on. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I do believe, I think that as long as the Hornets are competitive, there's no reason for his minutes to go anywhere. And uh, he's entering his basketball prime, 26 years old. So I'm buying it. Yeah, man, we live in a sea of like points and threes, guys. So it's nice to see some other stats. You know what I mean? From from a guy who we sort of thought of as a points and threes guy, some rebounds, some assists. Maybe even if the steals don't keep up, if he's going to board a little bit, get some assists, that's all right. Uh, the Hawks are taking on, excuse me, the Hornets are taking on the Hawks. Another Jeremy, Jeremy Lin, has been scalding hot. Coming into Tuesday night, he was averaging 16 points, around four assists, 1.2 steals, 2.3 trays in his last six. Are you buying it? I, I'm semi-buying Jeremy Lin. <laughs> uh, he, he made me nervous. I, I was kind of high on him coming into the season. I drafted him in a few places, and then, of course, I cut him after the slow start. Uh, the talent has always been there for Jeremy. It was just a matter of him being in the right system and finding a place where he can earn quality minutes and, of course, staying healthy, which has been a major issue. Uh, At the beginning of the year, he had some quotes saying that he wasn't feeling quite right with the knee, and that's what really, I was like, okay, I'm going to cut him, whatever. Uh, But (laughs) now it does seem like he's kind of, he's into his groove a little bit. He is in a good spot to produce. The reason why I'm semi-buying it is just he doesn't necessarily really factor into that team age-wise. I'm not really sure what his minutes are going to look like you know, towards the second half of the season. 
But right now, I mean, he's I'd say he's worth owning in most places, definitely in deep leagues. All right, well, the guy he's backing up, Trey Young, has been in a major slump. His last seven games prior to Tuesday when he actually played better, but leading up to Tuesday, his last seven, 28% shooting from the field. Jared, are you concerned, or maybe the question is, how concerned are you? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned about Trey. We, this is kind of, we always knew that he was going to be this guy. And I think that kind of what happened is NBA teams, I don't think necessarily really game plan for rookies to start the year. And then once we kind of, you know, he had that big game uh, about a month ago or a handful of weeks ago, and I think that kind of put him on the radar of of teams and they start game planning for him. That's when we see the quote-unquote rookie wall happen. Uh, And we saw this in former rookie of the year Michael Carter-Williams. He came out with a big NBA debut, pulled up nine steals against LeBron James' Miami team. He actually scored 22 points on 60% shooting that game and then we all know how it how it panned out the the law of averages caught up to him he was 40.5 percent on the season now i know i'm not going to say that trey's even remotely in the same ballpark as mcw but i just trey was a guy who we knew wasn't going to be consistent shooting the ball but the counting stats should be there and he's going to get nothing but opportunity in atlanta Yeah, I mean, I could see him having a strong second half. I'll also say, even if this year he ends up, you know, his overall value in nine category leagues ends up not being great. Don't hold it against him. Don't hold a grudge going into next year because I really think he could really surge upward uh, in the years to come. That's not what you want to hear if you drafted him this year, but that's just where we're at. Uh, Jazz are at the Nets. D'Angelo Russell. He's coming off a 38.8 rebound, eight assist line over the weekend, averaging 20 points around four boards, six assists, one and a half steals, 2.3 trades. That's over his last 12 games. And he's actually shooting decently from the field, 43%. He's not killing you with turnovers. Are you buying it? Yes. <laughs> um, I think I just I have a little bit of a grudge against him because he was drafted by the Lakers and I'm a Laker hater. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that Kenny Atkinson has really done a phenomenal job developing him. And obviously with Karis LeVert going down, he has the ball in his hands a lot more often. He's basically the, well, he's the main guy there now. Uh, the talent has always been there for D'Lo. It's just always been a matter of maximizing his capabilities and I think that right now we're seeing what good coaching can do to when good coaching meets great talent. And that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, man, he's a guy who I got to be honest, I kind of wrote off a little bit because I was worried about the those two categories killing you field goal percentage and turnovers. But uh, I feel a little bit like an idiot right now in that regard. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Rondé Hollis Jefferson has been just kind of bad his last six games, which actually overlap with Karis LeVert's absence, whatever that means. Ten and a half points, six point seven rebounds, very little else. Are you concerned? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not really sure what we were ever expecting RHJ to be. He was irrelevant through his first two years in the league, and then his career year last year was really nothing more than being a late round guy, which I think is kind of his ceiling. We have a lot of data here telling us that he's just a late round guy. So I mean, I think it's telling that it took him this long to replace Jared Dudley in the starting five. <laughs> and and uh, Kenny Atkinson was quoted not really making a firm declaration on whether or not he would stick in the starting lineup. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't really own him anywhere. And I don't think that he's really ever going to be 
that mid-round player that we thought he might be when he was drafted three years ago. Yeah, I cut him in one shallow league, and I have have not since looked back. Um, For the Jazz, Richard Rick Rubio had a quiet night on Monday, but he has mostly been on a roll. 15.6 points, 5 assists, 1.9 steals, 1.9 trades his last eight, shooting it well from the field. Are you buying it? Yeah, I am. Uh, Rubio got off to a slow start, as did most of the Jazz players. They got a, they had a really tough schedule to open the year, uh, but slow starts are pretty much the norm for Rubio. That's who he's been for most of his career. He had a really awful start last year where I was getting plenty of questions, should I drop him? And as we know, he was a top 30 stud after the break, or, or third round value at least. I think it was 35 to be precise. But yeah, I think that it was only a matter of time until he figured it out. Uh, Donovan Mitchell going down for a little bit maybe helped him, but either way, you know, he was top 35 with playing alongside Mitchell last year. So I think that he's going to start turning it around at this point. All right, the Knicks are at the Sixers. A couple guys who have recently maybe been leaving waiver wires. One certainly has. We'll keep this first one short and simple. Emmanuel Moutier has been playing well. Didn't play as well on Tuesday. Are you buying it in any way, shape, or form? No, 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 <laughs> no, and absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, the the rotation in New York has been absolutely ridiculous, and David Fisdale has had quotes indicating that it will continue to be ridiculous. Uh, he's hot right now. We have a lot of data that he's never been good, and uh, I think that he's we're going to see a regression to the mean sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to believe that like a former number seven overall pick when it's the coach's pet project to fix this guy, you want to believe that when you start to see positive signs, maybe it means something. But but I get it. I understand the concerns. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm probably I'm probably somewhere on the plus side of no, 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 no. And again, no, <laughs> like I'm a little more optimistic than that, that he could be maybe a decent deeper league asset. Uh but yeah, I get the concerns. Uh, meanwhile, Noah Vonley had been crushing it. He also was not as good on Tuesday, but that's kind of been his MO. He's been up and down all season. Are you buying it? Is he worth holding on to at this point, keeping your lineup for the inevitable peaks and valleys? I would say at the very least, he's he is worth owning right now. But you know, he's been in the league for five years, and he has never been worth owning in fantasy hoops. Again, I have to go back to David Fisdale's rotations. They've just been a disaster. And he was basically quoted today saying that, you know, everyone's going to get an opportunity, nothing's set in stone. Uh, Who knows? Maybe he's going to get replaced by uh, Kevin Knox at some point. We don't know if Kristaps Porzingis is going to play this season, but if he does, that would crush his value. Uh, He's playing good enough right now, but I, I just don't see it. There's quite a bit of data that would tell us I'm telling him, I'm telling Fisdale to take this for data, <laughs> that, that Vonley is probably going to drop off at some point. Yeah, I mean, if you took a strategy of just fading Knicks other than Tim Hardaway Jr. and Enos Cantor, it probably would save you a lot of headaches, but yeah. the, the rotation is such that, that some of these stat lines tempt you to add, to add them off waivers. The Mavs and the Rockets, J.J. Barea has been a dynamo, sort of in the vein of Jeremy Lin off of Dallas's bench lately. His last six games, 16.7 points, 5.5 assists, 1.3 trays. Are you buying it? And how deep of a league do you think you need to be in to add Barea? 
I'm buying that he's definitely worth owning right now. He's a talented ball player. Uh, an interesting stat, over the past 10 games, he's been a plus, his plus minus rating is plus 102. He's been crushing <laughs> it. Um, he's great. But the thing is with Berea is that he's 34 years old. He's playing on a non-playoff team, and he has a history of health issues. So, you know, if you own him, great. Keep him on your team. Uh, but don't really, don't be surprised if he goes down with a significant injury at some point or if towards the second half of the season he kind of starts falling out of the rotation a bit. All right, don't get emotionally attached is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, Clint Capella for the Rockets on a, a serious scoring bench for him. 20.3 points his last seven games. Add in 13.6 rebounds, 2.9 blocks. That has put him inside the top 10 in nine category leagues the last couple of weeks. How much are you buying this from Capella, this surge? Clint Capella is a stud. What he's doing right now is entirely sustainable. He's finally earning minutes in the 30s for the first time in his career. And he has some of the best passers in the world constantly throwing him lobs. That's basically his role, is to catch lobs and block shots, grab boards. He's a beast, and I think that this is going to be a great year for him. Yeah, wow. I, I got him in a couple leagues, but this has even surprised me a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's starting to all come together. Uh Things are actually all starting to fall apart, and we haven't had an Are You Concerned in a few minutes. So here we go with Brooke Lopez as the Bucks take on the Bulls. Single-digit points in five of his last seven for Brooke Lopez. Are you concerned? Well, he did come out with 15 and 8 his last game. So I, I, I'd say that that's... Uh, I like Brooke Lopez. <laughs> I think that I'm kind of in the minority of the Roto World crew, but I am a fan of Brooke Lopez, and I think that he'll figure it out. They need his offense in Milwaukee, there's not really anyone that can really take his minutes. I mean, Thon, Thon Maker is not there, and Christian Wood's not there. Uh, <laughs> he's, I, I think that he's going to figure it out sooner or later. And I think that his last game, I hope that that's a trend of that he's ready to start moving in that direction again. For, for what it's worth, I like Brooke Lopez too, and I, and I think his role is is still there. And you got to love that role—a guy who gets a, a lot of threes and a lot of blocks. Yeah. Um. So I'm on board. I just want to get your take on it. Uh, friend of the show, Malcolm Brogdon, which is to say, we have talked about him a lot. Sixteen point nine points his last ten games. Are you buying that? Yeah, I think I'm buying most of these. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think that he's a talented ball player. I think that he can score in the mid-teens, maybe shave off a couple points from that total. But what he's doing is entirely sustainable. He's on a winning team. He's playing a key role on it. I don't see any reason why he can't keep up similar numbers to what he's doing now. Okay, so if you're evaluating Brogdon, don't necessarily just look at the season numbers. Look at what he's been doing lately. Meanwhile, for the Bulls, Jabari Parker, even just a couple weeks ago, was really just looking like a hollow points and rebounds guy who really had very little value in nine category leagues. He's suddenly getting some assists, some steals, some more threes. His last seven games look like this. 19.3 points, 8.4 boards, 3.1 assists, 1.1 steals, 1.73s. Now, it gets complicated with marketing coming back soon. So are you buying any of this from Parker? Are you concerned? Or how quickly can you try to trade him away before this all falls apart? <laughs> okay, well, I drafted Jabari pretty much everywhere because I thought oh, okay. maybe. Okay. And uh, I don't own him anywhere anymore <laughs> because <laughs> it was so obnoxious owning him. And of course, I dropped him right before the hot streak. But uh, here's the reality with Jabari. And this is why I dropped him. Markinen is going to get back. That means his starting spot is gone. 
He was kind of a disaster trying to play the small forward position. Justin Holiday is crushing it. And then Bobby Portis, when he gets healthy, I just don't know how he's going to find the minutes that he needs to be the guy that he's been. And up until this recent little stretch, he was basically just points, boards, and way too many turnovers for a guy that doesn't really give that many assists. So I don't think what he's doing is sustainable. Mark Ennen is almost back. So if you own Jabari, I would highly recommend trying to sell high because this would be a great opportunity to do so. You know, Tommy Beer and I were when we were talking about Jabari Parker recently. We, you know, we raised the question: Is it okay to drop him? And neither neither one of us said no. If that makes you feel any better, and anyone <laughs> out there, anyone out there who dropped him, I mean, you can kick yourself, but don't kick yourself too much because a few weeks from now, Parker's numbers probably won't look like this. All right, if you are looking for some more fantasy hoops action, head on over to draft.com. You can do daily fantasy basketball snake drafts instead of salary caps. You can also do auction drafts, which is a lot of fun. These things take just a few minutes to finish. Enter the promo code RW and you can play for free. Again, head over to draft.com. Use the promo code RW. On to the second half of our preview, Jared. The T-Wolves taking on the Spurs. Andrew Wiggins finally looked, to me at least, like he had turned a corner from a fantasy perspective. He wasn't doing those things that had driven us crazy. Now his last five games, nine and a half points on 28% shooting. Are you concerned? I'm I'm not concerned, but I don't really know what's going on with him. I wish I had a better answer for this, but I mean, his recent stretch is arguably the worst stretch of his career. He had that scoreless game, which was the first scoreless game of his career. He chucked up 12 donuts in that one. Uh, and even worse, that game came against the five and 16 Chicago Bulls with a bottom three ranked defense. Uh, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe Derek Rose's resurgence has affected him a little bit, but you know, looking at that team and a worst case scenario, he's still the number three option there. So you just got to feel that he's going to figure it out at some point. I mean, maybe that thigh injury is bugging him. I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm I I own him, so I'm obviously optimistic that he'll turn it around. Yeah, I, I think I'd probably try to buy low. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't offer up a ton, but you know, he was looking pretty good. He was finally getting those peripheral stats that he had never really gotten consistently prior to this. So hope that this is just a short term slump and maybe consider a buy low offer. The Pelicans are taking on the Wizards. Each one more averaging 18.5 points, 1.8 trays. His last 10 games. However, single digits in two of his last three. People who added him recently or have had him for a while probably want to know, are you buying in or are you concerned? I, I, th- I think he'll easily figure this out. He's a crucial part of that offense, especially with Alfred Payton not around. You know, the Pelicans need him to be scoring. I think that he'll turn it around. I think he'll be fine the next game, actually. So, Okay, good. That was easy. Uh, the Cavs and the Thunder. This this gets a little a little messier potentially. Tristan Thompson, his last ten games, eight double doubles, putting up numbers that would be better than anything he's averaged in his career. Fourteen and a half points, thirteen point eight rebounds, one point two steals. That's his last ten games. Are you buying it? Uh, well, to me, TT does fit the mold of a player on a terrible team that could put up decent statistics with zero depth behind him. So, you know, I kind of, he's kind of catches me as a Chris Humphreys kind of guy. He'll give you some uh-huh. points and boards, nothing else really. The steals that you mentioned, I don't, I don't think that that's 
I'd be shocked if he averaged one steal per game this season, but he could be kind of a double-double threat while he's out there. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. See, you were buying, you said, I think I'm buying all these, but that was clearly a buying tentatively. You, you weren't, <laughs> yeah. You're not all in on that one. Uh, I like Tristan Thompson, especially now during this, this run of games for Cleveland. Let's, let's take your pulse on Larry Nance, excuse me, this run of four game weeks for Cleveland. Uh, Larry Nance starting to put up maybe some more intriguing value even than Tristan Thompson, depending on how you look at things. Nance's last eight, not scoring a lot, 6.8 points, but add in 8.1 boards, three assists, 1.6 steals, 1.3 blocks. Again, Cleveland has that phenomenal schedule right now. Are you buying this? Yeah, it's it's really weird to me how reluctant the Cavs have been to play Larry Nance at his natural power forward position. Even stranger that they didn't want to do that without Kevin Love. But with Larry Nance, he's he's always been a guy who only needs about 25 minutes a night to hit value. He's not going to be a guy that scores a lot of points, but he basically does everything else, and he doesn't hurt you anywhere. The problem is that his minutes have been in the teens, like, way too often. And this is a guy that signed a four-year, $45 million extension this summer. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that he'll eventually be better than he's been. It's just weird to me that they don't want to play him at power forward. They want to use him as Tristan's backup. Yeah, it's bizarre. I- but hey, at least at least he's contributing at the moment, regardless of minutes. But yeah, that that is a little bit of a concern. Um, meanwhile, another potential concern on the Cavs side: George Hill reportedly could return from his shoulder injury on Wednesday. Colin Sexton obviously has been putting up numbers in his absence, at least in some categories. Are you concerned on the impact Hill's return is going to have on Sexton? Larry Drew looks like a guy who is who is going to play as veterans, as evidenced by Tristan Thompson. I'm not terribly concerned about Sexton. Uh, I think that George Hill was only at 25 minutes per game this season. Yeah, 26.5. And I think that they could actually play alongside each other. I guess if he replaces Sexton in the starting lineup, that would just be weird to me. But at the same time, nothing Larry Drew does really surprises me. (laughs) So... um, No, I'm not terribly concerned about Sexton. I mean, the reality is, is the Cavs already aren't in the playoffs and they won't be so that why would you play hill over sexton i, I don't know that's what i'm saying but why would you play tristan thompson over larry nance well, it's happening you know what true. i mean that's true yeah yeah uh all right on the oklahoma city side in the four games since russell westbrook returned dennis schroeder averaging 19.8 points four boards three assists 0.8 steals 2.8 trays he is thriving even with Westbrook back. Do you buy Schroeder as a longtime fantasy starter, even with Westbrook healthy? I've never been a huge Dennis Schroeder fan, but the reality is when you look at OKC's roster and you want points, it's Russ, PG, and Schroeder. He's the only other guy who can really create his own shot. So I don't really think he's going to be anything more than a late-round guy. But the minutes should be there because they can't have Russ and PG score all of their points. Uh, He's kind of the third option there, even though he comes off the bench. Yeah, I think that he'll be worth owning this season. All right, we move on to Orlando and Portland. Nikola Vucevic has been on a phenomenal run. You may have noticed 24.4 points, 12.3 boards, 3.7 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.8 blocks, 
1.4 trays his last 10 games. He's sitting inside the top 10 in nine category leagues for the season. Do you buy Vooch as a first round fantasy stud going forward? I mean, I think he'll be right there. I think he'll be right on the cusp of first round. If he can't, if he falls out, I don't think he would fall out like past top 15 range. Vooch is a stud and he's always underrated. I don't know why, but he is. I think probably part of the reason why, the reason I don't own him, is I've always been nervous about him getting traded. His name always comes up in the trade rumors. But with the East being wide open and Orlando playing well, Orlando's actually in the playoffs right now. So if they are a playoff team, I don't think they're they're probably not going to look to trade him. So as long as he's in Orlando, he's going to be a stud. And I don't think he will drop below top 15. All right. So there you have it on Vooch. Meanwhile, Evan Fournier, there's no real nice to say this. He's had a pretty decent season, but he's been pretty bad lately. Single digit scoring in three straight, shooting 24% from the field those three games. Are you concerned? Are you benching him? Uh, Just a slump. Where are you at with Fournier? Yeah, definitely benching him because he's been awful. But he's been a mid-round guy in two of the past three seasons. Two years ago, he was late round, but still worth owning. Uh, Nothing's really changed for him in terms of his opportunity. I think that he'll figure it out soon enough. I think that this is just a a tough stretch that he's going through. All right, our final game of the night, Suns at Clippers, brings us to another tough stretch with one Lou Williams. Been in a nasty shooting slump his last nine games. 33.3% on a lofty 16 attempts per game. Are you concerned about Lou long term? We've got someone that I'm concerned about. <laughs> yes, we got one. Except um, I have him in multiple leagues, so that's bad. But, but carry on. <laughs> uh, well, I'm semi-nervous. He's 32 years old. NBA players start to drop off around 30, and then the, the real drop-off starts to happen around 32. This is for non-superstar players that I'm talking about. He's having to compete for minutes with way too many guards on that roster. His minutes were at 32 per game last season, and it's just at 26.2 this year. That is concerning. Maybe this is the beginning of the drop-off that Father Time gets with every NBA player. Uh, So, yeah, I am semi-concerned about Sweet Lou. I think I err on the side of they're just too healthy, as you said, right now. And uh, Lou needs the perhaps inevitable injuries to Patrick Beverly and Danilo Gallinari. And not that I'm rooting for either of those things to happen because I'm not, I I love Gallinari as a player, but if, and when those things happen with a couple of guys who have not been durable, I think Lou could take off again, but for now uh, he's been pretty brutal. So uh, do with that what you will Uh, (laughs) on the sun side of things. Mikel Bridges was a recent waiver wire ad for some of us, certainly in deeper leagues. Then he started to stink as soon as we added him. Still, though, he's getting pretty significant minutes most nights. Are you staying patient with the rookie on your bench, or are you bailing out? I would stay patient with him if you added him. The potential is there. All rookies are going to be up and down, especially during the early portion of the season. I think with Bridges, something needs to happen to Trevor Ariza, whether that's an injury or a, or a trade or a buyout. I think that that's really the biggest hindrance to his value. But at some point, it's impressive to me that he worked his way into the starting lineup this soon. I'd say that's a very positive sign for his post-break potential. Yeah, he needs those Ariza catch and shoot threes because right now you just you watch the game and it's like 
poor Bridge is just hanging out over on the wing and no one's even looking at him. But yeah. but yeah, man, I, I think agreed. If you can be patient, this one could pay off. Uh, Jared, you have a, a little daily dose coming up later this weekend, correct? I do, yep. Okay, and I will be writing Round Ball Stew on Friday for everyone else as you're getting ready for this 10-game NBA Wednesday. Keep it tuned to the Road Award Player News page for all your injury updates, etc. Jared, thanks for doing this, man. This was fun. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. All right, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.